Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. There are lots of shows on how to improve, on how to become successful, but there is only one on what to do once you are. This is essential because success can be a catalyst for failure, especially if it leads to the undisciplined pursuit of more. This show is about how to become successful at success. It's for high performers who are on the edge of exhaustion, solving problems completely before they even arise. It's about turning tedious tasks into joyful rituals. It's about simplifying your processes and making your most essential activities the easiest ones. So if you're a driven, hardworking, productive person who is running out of space but still wants to make a higher contribution effortlessly, the What's Essential podcast is designed especially for you. So let's begin. My guest today is Jeff Burningham. Jeff's that entrepreneur that you knew in high school or a neighbor of yours who's going to go and build uh, billion-dollar businesses, and you think, well, I don't know about that. But then Jeff actually did it. Uh, Three businesses, a billion dollars or greater in revenue, just ran for governor in Utah, a family man, a good man, and uh, it's just a real delight to have you on the What's Essential podcast today. Thank you, Jeff, and welcome. Oh, thank you, Greg. That was way too kind an introduction. And uh, I've been a fan of your work, as you know now, for many years. And I think you're the guy that's changing the world. I, I haven't done much, but I love your, uh, your thoughts around essentialism and now effortless. And I'm grateful to be with you today. It, when you say that, it makes, me think of, it makes me think of high school. And it makes me, <laughs> it makes me think of that I don't think anybody in high school would have said, oh, you know, Greg's going to go on and do things and, and, and make an impact. And so I just don't think anybody would have seen that. And I don't, that's no false modesty. <laughs> Whatever, Greg, you were voted most likely to succeed. No, I mean, that, sure. there, there was no real, that doesn't really happen <laughs> in British schools in, in the same way. But yeah. nevertheless, it really clearly wouldn't have been the case for me. It leaves me to reflect on a sort of problem with success, which I've been thinking a lot about recently, which is if you look at at moments of success in people's lives, then you can miss the broader story, the important longer-term story of success. Uh, you know, before we were, well, the first time we talked about all of this, uh, if I can summarize it, the problem happens when you look at moments of success and sort of project from there. Oh, well, somebody in high school was the captain of the rugby team or the football team. And, but, but actually that becomes their peak moment. That's as far as they're going to get. Or the same happens in college or the same happens early on in somebody's career. And I want to contrast that with, I think, a better way of thinking about the narrative of success, the longer-term perspective, where you say, how can I sustain success over the very long run 
Or even better, how can I build momentum over a long period of time? Because if you can do that, then you can then you can achieve extraordinary things and your contribution gets greater and greater. And even if you didn't look at any particular point like you were going to be a you know a, a big deal or make a big impact, you actually can because it accumulates and becomes something really special over time. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, Greg. We're we're on the same wavelength, I think. We're the same stage of life. We're thinking a lot about the same things. My first question is what is success? You know, how is success defined? It's been defined for us in this, you know, it's been defined for us, I think, largely by the media, by pop culture, et cetera, et cetera, what success is and or what it looks like. And I think social media exacerbates some of those problems, but I think success for each individual is maybe unique and different. I'm kind of reflecting here in my mid forties and trying to be better, but is this idea, and it's, it's one that I've been thinking about for decades and talking a little bit about as well, but this idea of relationships versus results. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's my belief that the best teams usually win. I mean, there are anomalies, uh, but usually the best teams of individuals win. So if you're on a competitive football team, basketball team, if you're in business, it's about gathering the best teams. And those best teams are made up of relationships. You're striving for results, but really the end result you want is a relationship with your team that is unbreakable so that you can go and change the world, so that you can make the difference that you were meant to make. But that doesn't happen individually. That happens in teams. And I think too oftentimes in my life and in others' lives, you know, where especially for type A driven personalities, which certainly that fits me and, and a lot of us, but we're too focused on a short-term result instead of the long-term relationship which is the result that we actually want in the end anyways. Yeah, I think you have it exactly right. That that as an insecure overachiever, we tend for whatever reasons to to need to prove ourselves, to want to you know, praise or attention or or or, or just a, just a an orientation, a temperament type where we say, you know, just impact uh, and influences is key to who we are for any or all of those reasons, we prioritize results and, and we want great results. And in its own, on its own merits, that's, that's not some terrible thing at all. However, if it leads to what you're just alluding to there, where you say, well, it's all about the results. And even at the cost of relationships, that's a fool's bargain. Because, yeah, because why? Because it's it's short term thinking, like you said. It's it's um, you have peaks of success, but then maybe even deeper valleys of loneliness. Let's say no life is straight and to the right. You know, if you're looking at a chart, mm. every life is bumpy. We're all fellow travelers. 
um, here on earth. And we all need to look out for each other. I think that life is less and less about competition. This is the older I get, because by the way, I was a competitive athlete growing up and, and in fact, still played basketball this morning in my mid forties. I love sports. I love competing, but actually what's different now is the 10 guys that I played with this morning. It's more, it's less about me winning or our team winning. And it's more about the relationship that I have with these guys, what that translates to on the court and off the court. I've been thinking a lot about this. And let me state it this way and see what your thoughts are. The most essential thing in life is relationships. The most essential thing in relationships is communication. The most essential thing in communication is listening. I think it's, I, I just laugh because listening is really hard. Tell me this, Greg. I mean, listening has to be one of the most underrated skills on the planet. <laughs> you, you will never have a social media post about listening or you will never, you never hear someone say, this, this is a great politician or a great servant leader or a great CEO because they're a good listener. Like you just, you know, you don't hear that from the talking heads, but I was laughing just because it's something that I struggle with. I think it's actually something that people overrate in themselves, but underrate <laughs> as a skill. You yeah, know, I agree. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's All like, of us like to say we're good listeners or we think we're good listeners, but I don't think it's true. Yes. And, and we don't think it's that important anyway. It's like, okay, yeah. it's a nice to have skill, but it's not the thing that's going to really disproportionately, you know, make a difference in the world. I totally agree. But Greg, wouldn't you say, here's another one that I'll just, what about compassion or empathy? I think this is another one. Now, there's been a lot more talk about empathy recently, but I think compassion and or empathy, which are slightly different, but um, those are underrated as well. Like those are underrated skills in teams, especially and in high performing teams and in relationships that I, we just do not talk enough about. And by the way, I, I don't necessarily excel at these things. These are things I'm striving to become. I'm striving to be more compassionate. I'm striving to have more empathy and I'm striving to listen more. We can go even deeper. Uh, we can say that if listening is the most important thing in communication, we can say, well, the most important thing in listening is empathic restating. And yeah. the most important thing in empathic restating is being able to get into somebody else's head and out of your own. And the most important thing in being able to do that is to recognize that we have stories and paradigms in our own head that don't describe perfectly the world out there. And yeah. so we have to first just even be aware, my goodness, I'm full of stories. I'm full of paradigms and full of ways of seeing the world. And that is not the same as the world out there. And as yeah. soon as you make that eureka, you start to say, well, I wonder how other people see the world and what, you know, it, it, even if I don't end up agreeing with how they see the world, at least I can become aware of how I would have a relationship with that person or how I would even go about influencing them. Uh, because yes. to, to just assume that people see the world as we do 
seems like uh, seems like a dangerous uh, you know presumption. That's that's for sure. People aren't seeing the world that you do. I, you know, I traveled all around this great state and met tens of thousands of everyday people, well known, not well known, everyone that you can think of. And I've also traveled to fifty countries. My wife and I love traveling together with our children. We think it's one of the richest places of learning. And again, my, what I come away with is number one, we're all a lot more alike than we are different. And number two, like you just said, we have stories in our heads that we tell ourselves. We think people are thinking about us or judging us. No, they're not. They're busy with their own lives. Another one is just about disruption, personal disruption even. And and that is, you know, really the reason that I, I felt like kind of I was kind of on the top of my game. I had done a lot in business. I had kind of gone through all the ups and downs. I felt like I had seen great things and seen hard things and had some success. I felt like I needed to disrupt myself. I thought it would be good for my kids to see me lose potentially. I thought it would be good for us to go through some hard things together, to not be on top, but to go down to the bottom as a political no name and, and, you know, face something that would be hard for us. And that's something that's been enriching in my life. And as you know, now I've started a podcast, the extraordinary us podcast. Like I'm, I find that I'm constantly kind of disrupting myself and challenging myself to try new things, to do new things. But as you know, you're never, you know, you're not the best when you start, you know, it's a whole learning curve that you're stepping into when you, trying things. It's the growth mindset. It's humbling. It is humbling. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point of sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify magic, which is your AI powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Greg. It must have been humbling for you because even though you knew it would be different, even though you knew you had to start at the beginning, you came at it with a sense of momentum, 
uh, a sense of, you know, I've, I've built these things, I, I, I'm known by lots of people, and then suddenly you were, you were in new rooms. <laughs> you weren't yeah. in the rooms where people already already knew you. They were coming to your event. They knew about you. They want to have investment. They want to do business. You know, suddenly it's a group of people that are like, I don't even care about anything you've done. <laughs> I'm just trying to solve this other problem over yeah. here. And so you, I would say, got a richer, more complete sense of of the world. So that was definitely humbling. I'll tell you what the other humbling thing was again, and I mentioned it, I think, but to to just look into the faces of you know tens of thousands of great just everyday people to shake their hands, to hear their stories, to hear their struggles. This world is amazing. I mean, it's it's hard and terrible, but also um, people are amazing in every single way, in every single facet. I was struck by the goodness of people all around our state. And of course, I think that reverberates out to the country and the world. I, I by and large, think that people are great. Everyone struggles. When you walk into a room, you know one thing. Everyone in that room is struggling with something hard that most people don't know about. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite words of of this last month has been the word orienting. <laughs> and you, you, you know, like when you're using a GPS system and it's like, okay, it's searching, it's trying to find, you know, yeah. the, the, the address you've put in. And I feel like there are some things in life, some experiences or even a new idea that somebody says, and it just hits us so hard. It might take us a week or a month or even a year to orient again. And and actually, now that we're riffing on this, I think that this is what a lot of the world is going through right now. Yeah. Because as as the pandemic changes, I mean, different people in different parts of the world it's changing differently. But but certainly in the United States, in a sense, in a tactical sense, it's done. Right? It's like okay, most places. You know, masks not required. Most places open when you go out, even in California, which has been more strict than most states. You know, people are at the restaurants and life looks on the surface quite normal. But I feel like actually what's happening is that people are still very much oriented. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, on the surface, the behavior is starting to look a bit like it was before. But I don't think that's the same as people going... See, I feel the same. There's no going back. So people are trying to work out who are we now? What happens now after we've had this experience? And, and on, a, on an individual level, it sounds to me like that's what you're still in. A year later, you're still orienting. I totally agree. And I think one of the things that I'm grappling with and that the world's grappling with coming out of COVID, like you said, is just it's something that's true but that we don't, we get in our routines and we don't maybe appreciate it as much as we should, but just the uncertainty of it all. One of the things that I often talk about, I spoke about with entrepreneurs and I still speak about is fear and how we often let mistakes of the past, things that we can't let go of, or we don't want to overcome or forgive or forget 
Um, we let mistakes of the past and then fear of an unknown future hinder our progress forward. And what I think COVID has highlighted for a lot of us, and certainly my experiences the last couple of years has, is just how unknown the future is. And so I think people are finding their footing. I think I am, and I think a lot of people are trying to find their footing. They've been reminded that things don't have to be they, the way they've always been, and the future is not known to anybody. How do we grapple with that? How do we deal with that? And how do we succeed and find happiness in a place where there's just so much unknown? My story for you is that while you ne- definitely wouldn't have said, to yourself, oh, I'm just going to be governor. That is just going to happen. I reckon that your track record would have led you to believe its its possibility as as you know as real. Of course, oh, of course. There's no way I would have gotten in if I didn't believe that I could win. So, for that not to then happen after a series after 20 years of things happening that seemed implausible, that seemed to some impossible, but that, you know, against the odds, you made it happen to suddenly have a, let's call it this, expectation failure of a fairly public kind, the most public kind, actually, the most public kind of your life, right? Because the other things- I can't imagine a more public, yeah. Right, because the business business things aren't as public. You know, they're, they're important to the people involved, but outside the- they aren't generally media stories, whereas in uh, Running for Governor is so public. It's going to take a while. And in it, I can already tell that part of your orienting is, is currently, presently life-changing. What I see is you, you know, being, I can't quite describe it, but, but like shaken. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, emotionally shaken, psychologically shaken, because what does it all mean? Who am I if I'm not the person who just kind of makes the impossible possible and makes it happen? And this thing was going to happen as well. And I'm going to, and then I'm going to go on this next journey to be able to take all I've learned and all the skills and and put it to work on behalf of all of these people. Well, who am I now? Those are my stories for you. Where am I right? Where am I wrong? Uh, I think you're largely right. I I mean, I, I think that. I, I am totally focused on impact. I mean, I, I am not afraid of disrupting myself. I am not afraid of changing the game plan in order to try to have the biggest impact I can. And so one of the things that I've been grappling with, uh, Greg, like you said, was this success, this business success, which led to monetary success, which I never expected or dreamed of, or it wasn't the reason that I started the companies that I started. I'm a creator. And so I started them. I love creating things out of nothing. And so I really started it for that reason. Now there are byproducts that I am grappling with. What do I do to continue to have an impact, to try to make a difference and to serve people? And obviously, in my opinion, um, I had a unique look as a business person, as someone intimately involved with the economy here in Utah. I had a unique look and a unique uh, viewpoint, I think, to impact the state as the governor. And that and that didn't work out. I failed. It did not happen, like you said. So what does that mean? 
those are those are the questions that I'm grappling with, and I think that we all grapple with in life. We all have a vision of the future. We all have hopes and dreams for the future. When they don't turn out how we like, what do we do? Yeah, I'm in this crucial time. I think you're in the critical time too. My youngest is 10. My oldest is 19. Um, you know, out of the house. I have four children and I have these next, let's say eight years until my youngest leaves the house. Mm-hmm. The impact I want to have and what I've really been focusing on, focusing on the relationships with my children and being there with them. And and my point of, my point of this is, gosh, that would have been a lot harder to do. I talked to our Governor Cox, I, I talked to him, texted him a little bit and I see how busy he is and I just know that obviously I would not have that same time that I am having with my children now. And so I'm trying to find joy in that. And and that might be the most important impact for me and for most of us to have here on this earth. And uh, I'm certainly trying to build those relationships with my children that will last for something I've told my wife a lot after is, you know, I'll be a rich man if my children want to spend time with me as they grow older, if they want to come back, if they still want to visit mom and dad, if they still come to us with questions and concerns, and if they want us involved in their lives intimately, I'll be a rich man no matter what. Mm, this does bring us full circle to the theme of what success is and how to achieve it in a sustainable, ongoing way. Uh, I'm thinking here, uh, before he died, Stephen Covey was working with one of his daughters, Cynthia, uh, on a book about um, living life in crescendo, to -hmm. believe that your highest contribution always lies ahead of you, not behind you. And, And that goes to, I think, the heart of the matter. Because if you... If you look at either some glory day, right, oh, when I was, then you'll be trying to recreate the past instead of create the future, which I think is a very dangerous thing to do. I agree. Similarly, if we get caught up in the biggest fails of the past, the biggest regrets, of course, learn from them. But if we get into living and reliving them, then it also robs us of our ability to create the future. And so I think shifting from that perspective to to really holding this paradigm, my greatest contribution lies ahead of me, is a deeply hopeful, important uh, perspective. Just to keep coming back to it. My greatest contribution, I haven't done what I came here to do yet. I haven't peaked All of this is preparatory for some greater contribution that lies ahead. Uh, I I find that to be soothing and inspiring at the same time. Your thoughts? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I completely agree. And I think that, you know, those that uh, do have sustained success, because again, everyone has failure. Everyone experiences failure, whether it's personally, professionally, both or otherwise. And so it's that perspective, that long-term perspective, that long-term lens that we can look at life, relationships, and success through that I think is super valuable. And it's those that can keep that optimistic, faithful, hopeful perspective through the ups and downs of life that I think really have sustained success, Greg. I, I mean, it's it's not being a one-hit wonder. It's about having a sustainable impact. And that comes, I think, through weathering the storms, through standing up after failure, through getting back up, through getting better, through recognizing how you can improve, and again, how, how you can best serve other people. You know, this life in the end, I don't think is about us. I don't think, even though a lot of our stories, a lot of our narrative focuses around us, ourselves, we want to be the heroes of our own story. I get that. Really, it doesn't, this life isn't about us. This life is about serving others and lifting others. And really, in the end, the more that we can do that, I think, is is the true mark of a successful life. And it's truly sustainable. The only sustaining force, in my opinion, in the universe, in the world, is love. Like, love is the only um, motivating factor that lasts forever. It's only love. So who are you going to love how are you going to love and what are you going to love? Um, those are important you know, things to consider. Jeff, you could have said those words to me and the other things you've said to me five years ago. The words, the words were there. <laughs> the ideas were there. Even the beliefs were there. But I reckon it's different now. The, when you say the words, they come with different weight to you now that the experiences of the last, even just these last couple of years, have changed you enough already that you go, okay, I see things I didn't see before. I see how true these ideas are, and I'm willing to make different trade-offs going forward. And and there is, in for me, a story view here that is almost, I, I keep wanting to use the word magical. It's like, this is worth it that this might have been the only way for you to actually shift from a certain level of stated belief to real conviction of like, no, this is what matters. Relationships are the most essential thing. I mean, that's basically what you've been saying. I've got to invest differently over the next 20 years than I did over the last 20 without having to feel terrible about the last 20, lots of good things have happened, but I'm going to be different going forward. I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to describe the richness, the depth of the last 20 years of my life, what it's meant to me and how precious it's been to me. The entrepreneurs I've been able to invest in, of course, the family that Sally and I have been able to grow. Um, but I think that this is just the beginning of where I can go. And again, I think this is the true for all of us, you know, like we all have, uh, you know, other mountains to climb and other um, experiences to have. And I, hopefully all those lead to 
growth and success. And I, I think part of that success, it's again, I, I think I mentioned, but it's this growth mindset. You have you looked into that, Greg, quite a bit? Let's say this growth mindset, not being afraid to try something new and fail in order to learn. Kind of just what you said. It's in that failure that, that we can then learn, progress, grow, and hopefully move forward as a more whole and a better person. I'm certainly a work in progress in that regard. And I think, I think we all are. And it's, it's a fun, ch- it's the challenge of life, you know. Carol Dweck is of course the, uh, the psychologist and professor uh, from Columbia for many years now at Stanford who coined the terms fixed mindset and growth mindset, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine. And, uh, and so, yes, the answer to your question is yes. I've given a lot of thought to this. And also, I mean, I came to her, her ideas because I was struggling, um, you know, this is this is going back many many years now. When I first read about her ideas, but I found myself saying, "Oh, I do have a fixed view of intelligence that hadn't slowed me down significantly up to a certain point." But I was at a, I was facing a new challenge, and uh, and I, I found myself going, "Oh, I it revealed a weakness and a limit in my thinking in my mindset." And it was like just so liberating to go, oh, you can get more intelligent by by exerting yourself, by trying, by by putting yourself forward. Uh, that's something I can control. That's something I can do something about. There really is this opportunity in this orienting period to discover a, a whole different way of, of contributing. Uh, because you you will come at it from greater maturity, a clearer understanding of what matters, and a deeper commitment to align your life to you know to that understanding. Yeah, no, I I, I hope the same things. I'm looking forward to it. It's always life is always an exciting adventure. You never know what's coming and. I appreciate, you know, being surrounded by great people and good friends that uh, that are always there for you and that help lift you up and guide your path. And I can't wait for the next twenty years. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Jeff Birmingham, thank you for taking the time to be on the What's Essential podcast to to just have a conversation. It's good to talk. It's good to explore. It's good to reflect at this inflection point in our lives uh where have we where have we come and now what do we want to do now what are we prepared to do uh, that maybe we couldn't even do before uh, this is going to be a great ride i look forward to being on it with you thank you jeff thanks Greg. thanks for having me ladies and gentlemen essentialists one and all we've come to that moment again the end of the show thank you really sincerely for listening It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, 
and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.